You've probably heard the term AI thrown around a lot over the past couple of decades, but what does it mean for the food processing industry? Our guest today is Ed Goffin from Pleora. Ed has worked with food processors over the past 10 years, designing and implementing AI systems to streamline their operations. Don't have a clue about AI, but interested in learning more? Then you're going to love today's episode. It's an interesting point because when you go back a couple of years ago, a lot of the media around AI was how the technology was going to replace humans. In reality, we're not seeing that. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Joe. And you're listening to the Farm to Fork Podcast, brought to you by Carlisle Technology. Today's topic is on the advancement of AI in food manufacturing. Our guest today is Ed Goffin. Ed has an extensive background of successfully implementing AI into the food manufacturing industry. Ed, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and the company that you represent? Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I've worked in high tech, I guess, for 20, 25 years. You know, originally we're based in Ottawa. So a lot of us came out of the telecom world around voice infrastructure and then broadband. And then gradually as the Ottawa high tech communities expanded, we've all found ourselves in slightly different industries, but usually going back to some sort of roots of still trying to connect technology in different ways. So I've been with Playora for eight years. The company itself has been around for just over 20 years, I guess 21 years. We would have celebrated our anniversary right in the middle of COVID. We're now into our 21st year. For, let's say, 15 of those 20 years, the company really specialized in machine vision interface products that are really around real-time inspection, you know, in the industrial automation market, inspecting consumer goods, food and beverage, print and packaging, manufactured parts. Then really over the last three or four years, we've started taking some of that sensor interface and real-time imaging expertise and starting to expand more into artificial intelligence or AI inspection systems. I'm excited for the AI conversation because really, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about it. And it's kind of a, a bit of a daunting topic. You know, don't even know really where to kind of get started with it. So it'll be interesting to kind of hear your perspective and, you know, how that fit with everything that we're, we're going to see in the food industry. Yeah, it's an amazing, having been in technology for 20, 25 years, it's fascinating to see topics move from research labs into actual production, right? And we're starting to see that right now with AI. Mm -hmm. Actually conceptualizing an idea outside of the research lab and physically implementing it and see its growth and longevity into a process, which is awesome. So Ed, how did you get involved with Pleora? It's a sort of funny story. The founder of the company, I worked with his wife a few companies ago. She was actually just leaving the company as I was joining it. And we had a couple of months of overlap where she basically taught me everything I needed to know about that company. It was 1999. And at that time, Wendy said, well, I'm actually, I'm leaving. I'm going to work with my husband's company. He's a small startup and he's trying to build a company around real-time video over Ethernet. And at that time, that didn't really mean anything to me. And it was also 1999, which in the high-tech world, it was a boom-bust time, right? And I think when she was leaving to join this startup, we were definitely into bust. And I remember thinking, good luck with that company. I mean, you're starting a company in the best of times is a challenge. Starting a company as, you know, high-tech world is collapsing around you seemed like a impossible task. 
And then I sort of forgot about it for a couple of years. And then a few years later, this opportunity popped up to join this company called Playora. And I looked at the technology and I was like, oh, that's sort of neat. I mean, I have a sort of affinity more for the hardware side of technology versus software. I looked at the products. I looked at what they were doing in terms of industrial automation at the time. I was like, yeah, that looks like a good opportunity. And walked into the building. And only when I walked into the building did I realize, oh, this is that company that 10 years ago I was very doubtful of their survival. Meanwhile, they'd thrived. I mean, the company grew quickly and we've grown every year since. No, that's cool. How does Leorf serve the food industry? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways. We have a traditional machine vision business that we still sell a lot of products there that are really around connecting sensors with processors. So there's a lot of traditional machine vision type of inspection that happens in the food and beverage market. And we're still heavily involved there just in terms of interconnecting cameras to processing. And then more and more, we've started to work our way into this AI space where really we have two sort of different product lines. And one is around using AI in manual inspection processes. So in a lot of manufacturing, whether it's food and beverage or consumer goods, despite what we think about, you see a video from a shop floor and it's robots and it's fully automated. There's still a lot of human inspection that happens, even in those fully automated inspection steps, you know, whether it's a spot check or a final inspection, there's a lot of different reasons why manufacturers use visual inspection. So we've developed a, an AI-based tool that just basically uh, provides some decision support for those types of manual inspection processes. And then we have another product line, very similar, but it's more around adding AI to an already existing automated vision system. So for a manufacturer who has the infrastructure all in place and they're using traditional machine vision, this is a way that they can start to incorporate some more advanced AI features into that automation application. They're already visually inspecting something with some sort of like a camera or imager or something like that. It takes whatever that is and then allows you to make decisions based on you know whatever those images are. Yeah. I mean, on the automated inspection side, what we offer is it's basically an edge processing solution that fits into an existing application. And then, yeah, just as you described, I mean, machine vision does very good at inspecting a lot of products, but where AI excels is if there's a lot of variables or it's shiny material, small defects that are maybe not consistent. That's where AI excels. So it's the ability to use some advances in edge processing to then start incorporating that type of inspection capability alongside a more traditional machine vision inspection. And not to get like too far off on a tangent, but how would that differ from like a typical PLC or something that's making decisions or sorting things based on information it's receiving from either a scanner or something like that? The big difference is really, and this is sort of, it jumps back to a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about AI, and it's probably important to sort of get a little bit of a base understanding of some of the key terms around AI, because there's a lot of, we throw around a lot of words and can get confusing. So maybe I'll just give a quick recap. You've got machine vision, which is really image-based inspection and analysis for automated applications. So industrial inspection, process control, like your PLC example, robotics. These all use machine vision. The key, and in that 
PLC example is they're programmed by a human. There's still hard coding behind that type of application. AI, you're getting into the area of a machine's completing a task. At the most basic level, it still requires human coding. I mean, we sort of automatically in our mind jump to AI making all of these automated decisions for us. But at the base level, there's still human coding involved in AI. The difference is as you start to supply the machine with that data, it learns how to solve that specific problem without human intervention. And then gradually you're working your way towards deep learning, which is more of an artificial neural network that works a lot like our brain, where the machine is starting to independently solve problems. So that's sort of the science fiction. That deep learning side is what we all get excited about. Really, when it comes to our work with manufacturers, you know, they're using AI in the most basic level in terms of they're programming it and letting it train to a certain degree on its own so it can start to make its own decisions. And they're still using traditional machine vision. That makes sense. So instead of a hard-coded A plus B equals C, it's now like you kind of do a, a basic foundational level of coding and then it starts to learn and build on top of that. Yeah, that's right. So you know your PLC is programmed to do probably one very specific thing over and over and over again. Your AI system is also programmed to do one thing over and over and over again. But as it starts to see some variables, it can start to make decisions as it learns along the way. So for print and packaging, let's say, you hard code it to see the common defects that you know are always going to happen. And then gradually over time, the AI model is going to also start to see some other defects that maybe you hadn't hard coded it for, but it starts to suspect those as defects And at first, you know, it's going to flag those as defects for an operator. So they're going to go back and look, and then gradually the operator's confirming, yes, that's a defect. And then the AI model will incorporate that as a type of defect it's also looking for. Very interesting topic that we have here today, but some great points we've all made. But let's step back a little bit and talk about the history of AI. Ed, do you think you could give us the 30,000 foot view of the history of AI and its application to date within food manufacturing? AI itself has been around for a fairly long time without, you know, turning this into a seminar or university class topic. For a lot of time, there is a lot of AI work has been going on in in labs and research facilities, right? And it's around taking those things that machine vision automation does really well and starting to add the ability for your machine to also learn. So it's important to remember, even for AI, somewhere there is still an element of human coding involved. And then the difference is the AI system itself learns based on operator decisions or its own decisions along the way. In the food and beverage market, you know, for us specifically, we've been involved you know, for basically 20 years around the machine vision side of food and beverage. So typically that's looking at packaging. Is the labeling applied correctly? Does the package look good? Is the bottle sealed? You know, those sorts of things. They're the types of things that are um, hard-coded, right? Like we know what a label should look like on a product all the time. As manufacturers start to look at AI, they're starting to look at ways, can I start to inspect things that aren't as easy to hard-code or aren't as easy for machine vision to perceive? So that could be reflective objects. So metal is a good example, right? Where lighting in the facility can make a difference for machine vision. Typically what then happens is you start getting false positives. Your system starts telling you there's an error where there's not really an error. 
So that's an area where AI can really excel because then AI can sort of weed out those false positives. So you're not stopping production to then find out, no, actually it's a false positive. AI can say, no, that is not an error. Continue on with production. You know, we're getting into some areas and I think we're going to talk about this a little later on, but, you know, hyperspectral where you can start to use different types of sensor technologies to get even greater insight into ingredient mix or grading of product or finding foreign contaminants. A lot of our AI work in the food and beverage space, a good example is fruit and nut sorting. Again, lots of variables where machine vision doesn't do great, but AI on top of machine vision can help speed that process. So you're sorting out good from bad almonds or good from bad pistachios. I know when I talk with people in the industry, it seems like there's a little bit of a stigma around AI or there's a little bit of, you know, people get kind of scared maybe by the hype that it seems like it's really expensive or it's really complex or it's difficult to do to implement something like this. Like what would you say for somebody who's maybe a food processor that's interested, but wouldn't even know where to start or how complex are these systems or can they be simplified to help out fairly easily? That's a great question. And it's a great concern. And it's probably when we talk to manufacturers, it's probably one of the first things that come up is people will say, I want AI because they've heard the hype around AI and the promise of AI, but they're still a little bit unclear about what AI means. And then it's sort of a cost and complexity concern, right? Because you think, oh, okay, I need to bring in external consulting or I need to hire someone to develop my AI models for me. So that's going to cost money. I'm going to disrupt processes that I have in place that already work. So that's downtime and again, money and infrastructure investment. You can quickly go from, I'm very interested in AI to I'm very concerned and scared about the cost of implementation. Part of what we're trying to do is simplify AI. So when it comes to manual inspection processes, you can get started with really just one good image, which is a little bit unique. You know, Typically it takes numerous images, I'll say hundreds of images of good and bad products to train your AI model. So one thing that we're doing is a little bit different when it comes, especially to manual inspection processes, is you can get started with one good image. And then as you use the system, the model's trained transparently and consistently based on user action. Um, So there are ways that manufacturers can avoid the cost and complexity that maybe makes AI daunting on the surface. Uh, Do you find that these processors generally want to do a full-scale implementation of an AI system, or is it better to partition it into, you know, separate parts and build upon that after integrating the system? Yeah, and I think that depends on the manufacturer. I mean, I won't say our area of expertise, but where we're working the most right now with manufacturers, I would say it would be, I'll say tier two, tier three type of manufacturers. They're slightly smaller. They haven't fully embraced automation yet, but they recognize the value of automating some of their processes. And they also recognize the value of leaping in a little bit with AI around some of these applications, usually because they have something unique going on. A good example is we're working with a distillery now and they go in the food and beverage space. Mostly what we're doing, we're not really looking at the product for them. We're looking at their brand. So they're bottling and labeling and they're a smaller operation. 
So they still have a lot of manual processes, even down to some of the labelings done by machine and some is done by human. And they were finding that the human was gradually, you can imagine you're labeling hundreds of bottles over a day, gradually your attention to detail is going to start to flag and some of those emblems are going to move. And then all of a sudden, you know, your brand elements are out of line. So they were looking at ways of, you know, can we automate some of this process and can I use AI to help guide the operator in their decision-making to help them visually see where this label should go on the bottle? You know, at the end, as a final inspection step, is there a quick way I can use AI to give me a quick pass fail on all of the elements of my brand, you know, are all the labels in place? Have I used the right label on the right product? Is the barcode readable? You know, all of those things. Where they get into AI a little bit is, again, it's not a surface that's really conducive to machine vision. It's a bit reflective because of the light. There's multiple elements that they want to look at. There's things that can change depending on what the product is. They do different products for different regions. So the bottling and labeling is a little bit different. So that's where they get interested in automation and AI. And because they're in the early stages of starting to automate their processes, it makes sense for them to jump into AI in some areas. You kind of mentioned earlier that machine learning is, you know, one of the big ones. I think as we were talking earlier, there's a couple of different categories of AI. Do we want to get into maybe the three categories of AI and kind of explain each one of those? And then we can get into what that looks like a little bit deeper. You've sort of got AI is really a machine solving a problem or completing a task, but there's still an element of human coding in AI. Then further down, you've got machine learning. So here, your machine is supplied a set of data, and then it learns how to solve a specific problem without human intervention. So this is really the goal for lots of manufacturers, right, is to get to that stage where I can train my machine and it can start to solve specific problems and also start to find other problems for me and just make an automated decision without requiring a human operator. And then the third level is deep learning. So this is sort of based on an artificial neural network. It operates the same as our brain, really. So this is where a machine independently learns how to solve a problem as it sees more and more data. One of our engineers sort of explained this to me as learning to ride a bike, right? As a human, we sort of look at a bike, get on, and we gradually learn all the variables that help us pedal and steer and avoid hills and avoid potholes and all of that stuff, right? We're sort of learning as we go. And that's pretty much deep learning. Where it gets a little, again, and it's back to that idea of being confusing and daunting for manufacturers. I mean, in the end, for us, we don't get too hung up when we're dealing with our customers around what level of AI are they working at? Are they working towards deep learning? Basically, they're using AI to try to solve a problem. And it's having a machine help a human either make a decision or skipping over the human decision so that the machine's automatically making a decision for us. Is the neural network stuff, that seems a little bit more science fiction-y. Is that implemented as often or is that still kind of more in like a laboratory type setting? For most of our customers, I will say it's more of a laboratory setting. But when you think of like what's going on in um, automated vehicles, 
or even automated robotics in warehouses, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, there you're really getting into that deep learning area. In a manufacturing space, I'm not sure if you'll get into deep learning too deeply, right? Like there's only so much that you need your machine to automated to make an automated decision around in a quality inspection type of application. Whereas take AI and put it into your automated vehicle, your car has to start making a lot more decisions, right? If it's going to be self-driving. We've been talking a lot about this, but even though there is a move to automation, there still clearly is a lot of reliance on human interaction within the food and beverage industry. So Ed, what areas of food production do you see that still need that reliance of human interaction? We see a lot of areas where manual inspection is still an important part of manufacturing. And, you know, I'll even say it it surprised me when the first few times I went onto a manufacturing floor for a few different types of industries, not just food and beverage, but food and beverage, electronics, packaged goods. In my mind, I sort of expected a fully automated process and I would see conveyor belts and robotics and cameras and processing making decisions along the way. But what surprised me was just how much humans are still involved, whether that's evaluating incoming components, right? So even in the food and beverage space, like looking at labeling coming from third-party suppliers, making sure it's according to brand elements, hasn't changed, colors are all right. There's still a reliance on humans there in process, even if it's spot checks along the way just to make sure automated decisions are still working correctly. And then final inspection, there's still a large reliance on humans, especially in manufacturers that I will call them more, they're rather smaller. So it doesn't make sense for them to fully automate all of their processes or they're producing a regional good. We see that a fair bit in food and beverage, like a regional or seasonal product where you're doing short run manufacturing it can be too expensive to fully automate that process. So you rely heavily on a human visual inspector, either in process or in final inspection steps or a bit of both to verify the quality of the product along the way. The problem, the downfall is that humans, we are really good at inspecting things. You know, we can use all of our senses. We're adaptable. We're pretty easy to train. Like when it comes for seasonal products that change, it's pretty easy to show an inspector a few examples of what a good product should be, and a skilled inspector can start evaluating those products. The problem is we do get tired and we get distracted. And when that happens, we start to make mistakes. So is that kind of how you lead when you talk with a processor who's maybe a little bit skeptical, like they're used to the human element that's kind of comfortable and that's what they know. So they have humans doing these visual inspections. How do you handle some of the skepticism around what AI could do to help them? Yeah. So when it comes to manual inspection processes, where we position our solution is it's decision support tool, right? We're not trying to take out the human out of that type of process because there's usually a good reason that in a manufacturing process, you know, again, like it's a short run manufacturing or especially in the food and beverage market. And I'll say these like more bespoke type of producers, there is a value in having that human element, right? Like back to our distillery example, when you go into that type of operation as a consumer, you sort of want to see humans, right? Like you want to see there's something unique about that product that 
in that case, you know, their distiller's brain, right? That makes that product different than something else on the store shelf. So you still want a human in the process for a lot of these manufacturing processes. But where our system helps them is just around automated decision-making so that they're consistently making the right decision. So for that distillery example, where it's really around the brand and packaging, does the product always look the same, which is a little bit harder for us to tell as humans, especially when you're on a assembly line and applying emblems, their challenges, they would often not notice that the operator was making mistakes until the very end when they're packaging products, they're putting things on boxes. And then someone notices, oh, some emblems are shifting a little bit where that damages their brand is that then it reaches the store shelf and they're shelved. And if your labeling looks a little bit off, a consumer is probably going to move to the next step. So really our system, when it comes to manual inspection is really giving them a tool to make sure that they're making consistent, subjective decisions. It also helps remove stress. As an operator starts to make mistakes, I know in this distillery example, the whole production would sort of stop because they'd be stressed out about shipping out poorly labeled products. Everyone ends up coming and gathering around the bottles and looking and sort of subjectively deciding, is this good? Is this bad? And instead they can use our system to tell them right away, yes, this is good or no, this isn't good. Yeah, I can't even imagine some of these assembly lines or manufacturing lines where you're just visually inspecting things over and over and over again. I know when I'm sitting down doing a task, it's repetitive. You know, my brain gets foggy or it's hard to pay attention sometimes. What would you say some of the key cons to human inspection are? You know, you hit them. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we get tired, we get distracted, we get bored doing the same thing over and over again, right? So I think when it comes to visual inspection, error rates have been typically found to be around 30%. Part of the challenge is sometimes those aren't errors, right? We just start questioning our own decision-making and sort of seeing errors where errors don't exist and halting production. And it turns out to be a false positive, which still results in production downtime, slows production. The distillery example is a good one where you know, they start to think that they're seeing labeling errors and basically production stops and all of their employees come and gather around. I mean, it's a small business. So when I say all, it's 10 employees, but it's still 10 employees taking a few minutes to go over, you know, a couple of hundred bottles. If it turns out that there is an error, then they're manually removing and reapplying labels. And it's just production downtime that costs the business money. So when you see a processor that replaces a manual inspection line, per your example, let's say of 10 individuals, and then you bring in a AI inspection system, do you see those individuals get reallocated to different areas of the operation, kind of reinvesting back into the business in that sense? It's an interesting point, because when you go back a couple of years ago, you know, a lot of the media around AI was how the technology was going to replace humans. In reality, we're not seeing that with our customers, usually they're incorporating AI and then able to move those employees into higher value roles, right? So again, with the distillery example, the employee who's doing the labeling, they can use the system, they can label products a little faster, they can make sure they're not making mistakes along the way, they're reducing downtime. And then with their extra time, they're able to move over into a packaging role. So it's a different skill set. 
It's a different type of job. The other thing that we're starting to see, especially coming out of COVID, is a lot of manufacturers are having trouble filling some of these operator roles. They're having staffing issues around hiring people. So there they can use AI in a couple of ways. One is, again, with the operators that you have, it helps them do their job faster, more efficiently, less downtime. So you can probably do more with the same employees you have. Then when you do bring on new employees, a lot of these AI training tools can be used as training systems, right? So you can quickly see what is a good product and what is a bad product using these systems to help train your operators. I know I was at a manufacturing facility a couple of weeks back. I won't get too much into their operation. You know, they're basically growing and packaging and selling a certain type of root. This root would go through several kind of grading stages. First, there was like a basic one where it would just kind of sort everything into generic categories. Then they would go and get cut and then they would be sorted again using a visual inspection system into finer categories. And then kind of one of the last steps of the process was to have somebody they called a master grader that would go through hand one by one, picking through these roots and sorting them into their final grade. So when you walk into the room where the master grader is, there's just massive tables with roots just piled up on them. And they're just going through one by one and sorting and categorizing them. And so I could see you spend a couple of hours in there, or even maybe an hour in there doing that sort of a thing. And I could see why you would want to go to something like an AI system to try to help that master grader make those decisions and kind of be a tool in their tool belt to, like you said, reduce the error rate. You also mentioned that there's kind of some false positives where they start to see things that aren't there or they're sorting things, their brains get foggy. And so to me, that would be a huge asset into an operation like that where you're relying so heavily on a human to do the final master grade. I couldn't believe that it was something that was even done by people. Grading is a really good example. And again, we see it a fair bit in food and beverage, meat, fruits and nuts, tobacco, you know, those things that there's different levels or different grades of quality. They reach the consumer in different ways through different types of stores. There's a lot of more boutique type of manufacturers who really promote a high quality, high grade product. It's a very subjective decision, right? On grading. And it could be variable from inspector to inspector, right? What a what one operator sees as grade A could be seen as B plus or B by another operator. So giving them some decision support tools around those decisions helps make it consistent without removing the human element, right? Because you still want the human element a lot of times in that decision, but it just makes sure that they're consistent from operator to operator. Or again, on training, right? It's a great tool to be able to then train other inspectors or graders, right? They can use the data from your best graders to help guide their decisions along the way. So Ed, I know you touched a little bit about this earlier in the discussion, but can you define what hyperspectral application means and what the applicability is in the food space? I mean, hyperspectral is something we're starting to see being increasingly adopted across multiple industries, including food and beverage. The simplest explanation for what hyperspectral is, is when you think about a traditional camera used in inspection, uh, they capture images in red, green, and blue wavelengths, basically matching our human vision. 
what a typical industrial automation camera sees is the same as what our eyes see. You know, it just can do it faster as a product moves down a conveyor belt. Hyperspectral provides narrower wavelengths. So then you're including ultraviolet or near infrared information on an inspected object. So you can see across a wider spectrum to see more. And where do you see that playing out in the food space then? Food inspection, let's say, is adopting hyperspectral imaging to detect foreign materials and ensure products meet quality standards. So there's a couple of good examples around sorting. So sorting good product versus bad product. A good example is like in fruit, where again, your ability to see more, I will say, in terms of wavelengths, you can start to see bruising on a fruit that maybe our eyes wouldn't pick up, right? It's below the skin. And by the time that apple reaches the store shelf, it's going to be bruised and there's no way a consumer is going to pick it up off the shelf. So take it out of production right away or around quality grading. So again, looking at the contents of products or the, the mix of fat levels in a cut of meat, right? That can make a difference on what brand of supermarket that grade gets sent to. And then around composition. So checking product ingredients. So, um, you know, let's say like in a baked good is the proper mix of ingredients in that product so that it stays fresh on the store shelf for longer. I know in the meat industry, you see a lot of times, especially in primary processing, they're using like probes in order to do fat grading uh, on carcasses. Would hyperspectral be something that would replace that or augment it? Or how would it compare with like a typical probe grading for that stuff? It could replace or augment. I would suspect probably for most manufacturers, it would be a chance to augment, right? Because there's probably a value that they're getting out of that probe. What hyperspectral can do is give them a more automated analysis of that cut of meat. So let's say, again, you have like a grade A, B, and C. You would basically create an AI model based on hyperspectral imaging to say, at this fat content, I'll say, or this moisture level, this cut of meat is always graded as an A, and this cut of meat is always graded as a B, that sort of thing. I mean, there's probably a value for that manufacturer in what they're getting from the probe. And again, there's probably a visual step in there, right? Like what we talked about before was there's skilled operators uh, and inspectors, and they have typically years of experience of looking at grades and making a decision. And then technology can help just make sure that that decision is consistent or give them insight into the product that maybe they're not gaining visually or with the probe. That's interesting. So what is the learning curve for this hyperspectral technology? Like, do you find that processors struggle with adopting the technology? Hyperspectral is a little more complicated than traditional machine vision in that there's a little bit more programming around generating the proper AI hyperspectral models, right? So again, that example of, you know, this type of product is always a grade A or this type of product is always a grade B takes a little bit more work. And then overall, I would say the technology itself, it's still in that stage of evolving from research labs to production. So there's still some integration work around choosing the right type of camera and making sure the camera works with the software that you're using to build the AI model. 
and then making sure that it all integrates with your existing processing. It's a little bit more complex for sure than, you know, AI for manual inspection or traditional machine vision. How would you describe or what's the technology and the hardware behind the hyperspectral imaging? It looks very similar to what you would see in a traditional automated machine vision application. The difference being, you know, you're using hyperspectral cameras. So there's a number of vendors now out on the market with cameras designed specifically for hyperspectral applications. When you went back a couple of years ago, those cameras were very, very expensive. Now I'll just say they're very expensive. They're more expensive than a traditional machine vision camera, but the prices are dropping. And like what happens in any market as it commoditizes, those prices will drop over coming years. Your hyperspectral camera then connects to edge processing. You know, Playora, that's where we fit in. We sell an edge processor that both receives the hyperspectral camera images and then applies the AI models that you build and deploy onto edge processing. And then the edge processing itself connects back to your traditional processing system. So when you guys implement a solution, do you provide both the cameras and the tool that's doing the decision-making, or do you only do kind of the AI application writing? Typically, we provide the AI model, the plugin that the manufacturer can then train on to their specific requirements and the edge processing. And then we'll have a number of vendors that we recommend around the camera that Both we know the integration is going to be seamless and we know that it's going to be right for their application. And then they can maintain those cameras and do all that sort of a thing, take that off your plate a little bit. That's right. Yeah. So aside from helping with product quality, what else can hyperspectral solution help a food manufacturer with? Hyperspectral, it's AI whether it's for automated or for manual inspection processes. One interesting thing that we're having manufacturers come back with, and it's actually something that we didn't fully value when we were putting together some of these solutions, was the ability to gather data from some of these processes, especially manual inspection processes. So it's sort of the phrase that we've coined is data black holes. And especially for manufacturers where they rely on manual processes, manual inspection, a lot of times it's too complex or impossible for them to gather data around these processes. So when something goes wrong, it makes it a lot harder to go back and have, you know implement corrective actions or deal with an infield issue with a customer. So what we're finding is a lot of the manufacturers come back and said, oh, is there a way, you know, using your AI systems, can I start to gather data around manual processes? So that's one thing that we've started implementing is really, we call them tracking and reporting apps. And it's automated and customized reporting around manual tasks. So this could be things like suspected and confirmed defects. So that can be an automated report, right? How many defects did the system think it found? And how many defects did an operator confirm were defects? And then the user can add notes too, or they can record and save images of products um, that are visually inspected for traceability or for inventory 
or for shipment management and batch tracking. And again, those are the types of things that, when it, especially for manual processes, manufacturers wanted to do, but just weren't able to easily do. With the manual inspection system, and it's a camera-based system, they're able to capture product images and then save that data into their own manufacturing resource planning software. So we've already had a couple of customers now come back and especially with the image save and the ability to take an image of a product when it's visually inspected and then leaves a facility. You know, if something happens downstream, like in both these examples, the product would leave the manufacturing site and then go downstream to another manufacturer who's doing some additional work on the product and then shipping to the end customer. Somewhere downstream, something went wrong. So our customer could go back to this manual data and say, okay, when it left our facility, we know the product was fine, and then help the end customer sort of pinpoint the problem. I think that's a really big ROI for a system like this, because not only do you have the increased accuracy that you're doing through the sortation or the grading process where you're kind of augmenting those processes, but you're also providing that data back for the plant management to actually make decisions. So for example, like you said, uh, let's say you want to report on defects for a certain lot. You can pull it up and see, you know, however many defects that certain lot produced, uh, who is the vendor, and maybe even go back to them and just kind of provide that reporting back to that vendor and, and try to figure out how can you reduce the number of defects you're receiving on whatever the materials that you're bringing in. Yeah, we have a couple of customers that do that. They'll inspect incoming product, right? And if they're seeing a set certain number of defects, then can go back to their supplier and say, you know, I think we have an issue here around that we need to resolve because let's say I, I miss this error, it's going to work its way into my product and then reach the store shelves with a defective product or something that doesn't represent my brand properly. And then when it comes to outgoing inspection or dealing with infield issues, it's mostly just time, right? For these manufacturers, like if a customer comes back with, I've received a box full of defective product, it can take hours of time to just go through the steps, right? Of trying to pinpoint where a problem happened. And especially around manual processes where before you didn't have the data, it's a long drawn out process. Now, instead, these manufacturers can go back and be like, okay, no, when the product left our facility, it was fine. Or in some cases, they've actually found, okay, no, actually, when the product left our facility, we did make an error. Now we have the data and we can put in some corrective actions to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I can even think of outside of or just past the packaging line if you're looking and using some sort of AI envision system and you can see issues with packaging or labeling or things like that, being able to make those corrective actions before they even go out and you get fined from your customers because you know labels are in the wrong place or packages aren't done properly or they're damaged and you're shipping damaged packages or any of that sort of thing as well too. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And it's one thing that I've learned in the food and beverage space is just how important labeling and packaging is, right? Um, I think a few weeks ago, I went back to the the database that the U.S. is maintained by the U.S. government around food recalls. And I think at that time, there's around 1,300 recalls that week, but a high percentage, like well over 50% were actually nothing to do with the product. It was around packaging and labeling, a label missing or a label unreadable or an ingredient missed on the package and that sort of thing, right? And that costs businesses time and money in terms of recalls. And those are the types of things that AI can help you weed out. 
Yeah. No, that's great. So, Ed, where can our listeners learn more about Pleora and their services? A great place to start would be our website, www.pleora.com. There, you know, you can see, again, the company's been around for 21 years, and we have really three different product lines around machine vision, a rugged network product line that's more in the security and surveillance line, and then AI for quality inspection. So for manufacturers, you probably want to look at the AI for quality inspection site. And there you can see the solutions that we offer for visual inspection, for adding AI to automated inspection applications. And then we also have a software tool that lets anyone design AI algorithms. So does Plior do any sort of consulting? We're always eager to partner with manufacturers to help solve their problems. I mean, where we're seeing the most success, both with our products and both with being able to help a manufacturer solve problems is really manufacturers where they, they're doing usually higher quality, lower volume type of products where full-scale automation doesn't make full sense, but they want to take advantage of some of the benefits that AI can bring to help reduce quality escapes or you know, lower costs or reduce production downtime. Those are the types of manufacturers that we've been partnering with the most successfully. We're a Canadian-based company, and we're looking as well for other technology providers you know, in the space. That could be system integrators working with manufacturers or other technology solution providers where we can then offer someone a more complete solution. What about any sort of content or anything you can point us to, like white papers that you guys might have or any other additional information on AI? Yeah. So on our website, there's a pretty good white paper that sort of covers the benefits of AI, especially for manual inspection and specific for food and beverage. It's a bit of a case study around this distillery that we've been doing work with. They use AI right now to inspect elements of their brand, and we're working with them to start using AI in different ways so that they can start to look at things like fill level, making sure that they're using the right labels on the right bottles cap seal, integrity, those sorts of things. They've been a really interesting company to work with because they've been able to give us some really good feedback as well as we've been developing the product. So there's a case study around their application. We also host a fairly regular webinar. It's about once a month that goes over some of the case studies. So again, one is in food and beverage, the other's in electronics assembly. And then we have a bit of a live demo out of our application engineering group that just shows how easy it can be to use AI without needing a lot of extensive training. Uh, you can get started with one image. Thanks so much, Ed, for being with us on the podcast today. I know, like Andy and I talked about, this is a super interesting topic and glad we could have you out for this. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's like I said at the start, it's exciting to see technology move from research into actual production. And AI has... It's generated a lot of hype. Uh, and then especially, and I'd say the last 24 months, it's pretty much become an unavoidable topic in the manufacturing world. And it's exciting to start to see manufacturers actually benefit from the technology now. Well, thanks so much, Ed. Yeah, thank you.